0: In the comic series, Infinity Gauntlet, Adam Warlock says, Go forth and tell the masses that Adam Warlock is a god who can be trusted. That's a fascinating statement. Let's dig deeper into that. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay. On today's podcast, I'll be digging deeper into Infinity Gauntlet, the six-part Marvel comic. A comic that digs deeper into the natures of the universe, godhood, and much, much more. If you're not familiar with Infinity Gauntlet, you might want to listen to my story breakdown podcast first before you listen to this dig deeper. I'll explain in detail what happens in the story. In fact, super spoiler alert, I spoil everything about that story as I break it down. And I look at, is this a good story? Is it something that we should be paying attention to or does it kind of lose its way? That's on the main podcast feed and can be accessed for free. If you head over to thestorygeeks.com and become a supporter of the Story Geeks Podcast at the $2 a month tier or more, you'll unlock premium content like our Aftercast. On today's Aftercast, I'll be comparing Thanos from Infinity Gauntlet to Thanos from Infinity War. We'll be breaking that down in detail. I hope you'll become a supporter and check that out. It's always fun to compare the inspiration for the movies to the movies themselves. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks Podcast is produced of the Reclamation Society. Let's dig deeper into Infinity Gauntlets. In Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos becomes an all-powerful, godlike being. And at first, he doesn't even realize how powerful the Infinity Gauntlet has made him. But as he fights the Avengers, the astral deities, and all these massively powerful beings, he becomes fully aware of his newfound godhood. And so my question is, what are some of the qualities that Thanos has in the story that make us believe he's achieved godhood. I found several. The first I found is omnipotence, or unlimited power. In the comic, Thanos declares himself to be god. That happens right away. That's in the first issue. It's in the first few panels. But he doesn't seem to know how powerful he has truly become. It's almost as if we, as humans, don't really understand what being all-powerful would really, truly be like. And Thanos doesn't get that either. As he learns more and more about how truly powerful he is, he becomes less and less human. In the Story Breakdown podcast, I actually compared him to DC's Dr. Manhattan from the Watchmen comic and film. And being all-powerful or omnipotent is an interesting thing for us to consider. It makes for a more compelling story if Thanos has to struggle somehow. But technically, an omnipotent being wouldn't struggle at all. Anything that being wanted to happen would just happen with zero struggle. And it does seem like after Thanos defeats the astral deities at the end of the series, it does seem like he's realizing what that power might look like for him. I mean, this is a guy who snapped his fingers and destroyed half the population of the universe, but he still seems like he's figuring out what his power, what the the boundaries of his power really are. I think it's an interesting thing to think about. What does our definition of godhood look like? Do you believe in God? And if so, do you believe he or she or it is omnipotent? What does that look like? In fact, is it similar to someone who possesses the infinity gauntlet? Is that a similar comparison that we could make to our idea of a god? So the first quality is omnipotence, all-powerful. The second quality is omnipresence, the ability to be present everywhere at the same time. I thought the comic handled this power fairly well, actually. If you remember, this is the power that Thanos relinquished when he wanted the fight to be fair with the Avengers. He wanted it to be a fair fight, so he basically gave up his omnipresence for a time. He cut himself off from that power. Omnipresence, when applied the way the writers apply it here in this comic, is really fascinating. It doesn't just mean the ability to be in all places at once. It also means the ability to be in all times at once. You know, since time has a spatial component to it, and that's actually true. Time does have a spatial component to it. Thanos is able to know what was and what will be. He knows what people will choose to do before they do it because he exists on all... He's present everywhere. He's present at all points of the timeline, all the time. That's also fascinating because it's another quality that we often associate with godhood. The third quality we should take a look at, while we're talking about omnipresence, it's a good time to bring up omniscience, the ability to know everything there is to know, be all knowing, if you will omnipresence when applied to time would give you some of this because it would allow you to know what actions someone took in the future or the past. But omniscience gives you one more factor, and that's knowing everything that's in the mind of other people. And Thanos has this power too. He knows what the Silver Surfer and Adam Warlock are going to do based on what they're thinking about. So he has all these things. He has omnipotence. He has omnipresence, and he has omniscience. And oftentimes, we do associate those things with God, depending on what faith background you come from. In fact, if you come from a different faith background that doesn't associate those things with God, I would love to know what that looks like. So definitely leave me a comment and know what that, what that looks like for you. Is there an inherent problem in giving Thanos those abilities? If you give a character these abilities... Anything that happens must be something that they allow to happen, which I do believe creates massive plot holes from a writing perspective or a storytelling perspective. That's why the writers had to have Mephisto convince Thanos that he should cut himself off from omnipresence or omniscience. If he's everywhere and knows what everyone is thinking, he literally cannot be defeated, especially because he's all-powerful. So that part was cool, but there's no way that Thanos would be distracted later in the story, and allow for Nebula to steal the Infinity Gauntlet from him. That would be literally impossible, unless Thanos is still learning what godhood looks like and still has some fallacies that way. The problem is, even if he has fallacies, it doesn't solve for that plot point, because he literally knows what Nebula is going to do. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He knows what she's thinking. He knows what her actions are going to be. There's no way that she could steal the Infinity Gauntlet from him. It doesn't make any sense unless, and there's an indication that this could be true, he sort of self-sabotages himself and kind of just lets that happen. But again, seems real strange. Giving a character omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence is pretty dicey from that perspective. Why? Because the character, they have no way of being defeated. They almost have to realize their own... Problems and be defeated by themselves. Nobody else can defeat this guy. No one else can defeat Thanos. After he defeats the astral deities, he kind of realizes what godhood could be, and it is impossible to defeat him. Uh, one other thing I think is worth considering as we think about you know godhood and all of these kind of concepts. I don't think the comic actually digs very deep into this, but I think it's worth us asking. And that is, can a being who has all of those traits, who possesses all of those traits, can that being also exist within the universe? Or would, by definition, they have to exist outside of the universe? I think most of us who believe in a God this powerful, as powerful as Thanos is becoming and possessing all of these traits— would kind of answer that question like, no, it seems that God must exist outside the universe and, in fact, probably created the very universe itself. Otherwise, God would be, I think, probably a created being, um, more like Thanos, actually. So, worth considering, I don't find that the—I think the pursuit of godhood is a fantastic plot to unravel— I think it's really intriguing and really interesting. But for someone who's achieved all of those qualities already, I think that that's actually not as interesting of a character unless there's something else going on there that that makes it more interesting. So love to hear your thoughts on that, but sure, there's, some, there's some of my thoughts. Uh, next, I want to get into, in the beginning of the comic, Thanos declares, let nihilism reign supreme. It actually says that on his forehead at one point in time. Now... Uh, nihilism is a rejection of all religious and moral principles, often with the indication that life is meaningless. And how does that belief drive Thanos throughout the story? I think this is a really fascinating question. Our friend Scott Nicewander also does a fantastic video on this called basically The Philosophy uh, Behind Thanos, um, something along those lines. If you search for NerdSync, and Thanos, you will get right to Scott's video. Great video. Highly recommend you watch it. Um, We're going to discuss some of the very similar principles here that he's discussing there. But let's talk about nihilism and Thanos. Some of this depends on how Thanos would express his view of nihilism. Uh, He clearly finds some sort of value in love and the concept of love. I think his version of love would best be defined as infatuation for someone who he wants to desire him. I don't think he's trying to be more intimate with death. He just wants death to respect him and desire him. And for those of you who didn't listen to the story breakdown and you're wondering what in the world am I talking about, death is actually personified as a female character in this case. I think uh, that could even be described as a biological response of emotion rather than an altruistic one, potentially. So you might be listening to the podcast and saying, like, well, I don't really believe in emotions being uh, something that is more nebulous. I believe that emotions are something concrete and that we are genetically dispositioned to have different emotions. So you could argue that Thanos has this biological response and wants death to desire him. You could argue that. But I think it is a bit strange, and like I said in the other podcasts, it does make Thanos seem real immature. Um, but it's not surprising, based on Thanos' immaturity and based on his desired results here, become all, becoming all-powerful and wanting death to desire him, it is not at all surprising that Thanos would attempt to mold the universe into his own image. This is what makes this is what's so fascinating though. My question to you as you're listening, if he did that, if Thanos molded the universe into his own image, wouldn't he then by definition create his own set of universal laws? He's a nihilist. He doesn't believe in universal laws. He doesn't believe that there's meaning in life. He doesn't believe any of these things. And yet, wouldn't he based on what he wants be creating laws? really interesting concept to think about as he becomes god does he does he actually does that actually take away from his nihilism because he's the one that presents us with new laws and rules for how things should should go and he can basically ultimately determine the end of everything so another way of thinking about this is if there is no god then nihilism makes sense Nihilism might also make sense if there is a God, but that God doesn't care about his creation. Okay, so that I'll give that caveat as well. Seems like that's true. But if God does care about his creation, then there would be inherent laws to that creation. It would be intelligently designed, whatever that means in your context. It could be intelligently designed, you know, poorly. You could say that too. But I'm just saying it would be intelligently designed. If God cares about his or her creation, then it would be intelligently designed, meaning that care went into the setup of the universe and a methodology for how the universe works would be inherent in that design. So my question is when Thanos becomes God, doesn't that mean that nihilism can't reign supreme? Like by definition, doesn't that mean that nihilism can't reign supreme? He's going to insert his opinion on the universe itself in order to turn it into what he wants it to be. Now, I don't think he can stay a nihilist and also be God unless he just removes himself completely from the way the universe works. The problem with that is it does seem like the astral deities were set up to, by definition, put laws on the way the universe worked um, in order for it to to kind of just go about its, its activity. Uh, so anyways... It's very circular how that all plays out, but it's actually kind of cool, too. I really like how the writers play with that in the story, and I think it's really, really fascinating. Like I said, definitely go check out Scott Nicewander's video on that because he quotes some actual philosophers, and I am not one of those people. I am not an actual philosopher. I'm a writer who likes dealing with the concepts. So as the universe rises up to face Thanos, we get several different definitions for their combined teamwork. Uh, At one point in time, Adam Warlock and the Avengers are kind of calling themselves champions of righteousness. Uh, They also at another time call themselves the forces of sanity to fight the Mad Titan. We also hear one of the astral deities state that natural selection is one of the universe's only canons. The strong replace the weak. Uh, The comic is throwing around a lot of big philosophical concepts here. So what is this all about? So... If you love this comic, which I bet you Anthony Holder loves this comic. I'm going to have to get his opinion on this. Chances are, Anthony Holder is one of our bloggers, by the way. Chances are that you love the idea of pitting philosophical perspectives up against one another. Right? That's kind of what's going on in this book. That's, that's If you like this book, you're going to like it because of that. So even as Thanos in his godhood declares that nihilism should reign supreme, we get Captain America and the Avengers trying to save people on Earth. And then we get the good guys declaring that they're righteousness and that they're sane. So the evil character declares for there being no absolute truth. Now, I'm taking a step there that is not stated in the book. I'm putting my own interpretation about what's happening on there. Nobody says there's no absolute truth. But the evil character in declaring for nihilism seems like he's also saying that there is no absolute truth While the good guys declare that there's not only absolute truth, but they're the embodiment of it as champions of righteousness and as um, the forces of sanity, right? So we have these big philosophical ideas coming to a head. One is there is no objective uh, absolute truth. The other is, yeah, there actually is, and we're the embodiment of it, and you stand um, in in opposition to it, and now we're going to fight. So at the same time, the beings that control what would be considered something akin to absolute truth, the astral deities, they're kind of maintaining the universe, maintaining the balance of the universe. So if they're going to have objective, some sort of, um, you know, the facts, the way that the facts play out, the way that the universe works, any sort of absolute truth related to that, uh, that's coming from the astral deities deities most likely. They say that natural selection is one of the universe's only canons. So the question is, do any of these belief systems expressed even really matter? Uh, Near the end of the book, the exchange between Doctor Strange, Thor, the Silver Surfer, and Adam Warlock is really fascinating. Adam Warlock says, go forth and tell the masses that Adam Warlock is a god who can be trusted. So Adam Warlock has taken the Infinity Gauntlet, there's a conversation about who should have it. Adam says, it should be me. He takes it, puts it on, and says to those guys, go forth and tell the masses that Adam Warlock is a god who can be trusted. He knows he's going to be able to become a god because he knows the power of the Infinity Gauntlet, and he's telling them that he can be trusted. Dr. Strange uh, replies to him and says, I'm not sure that we can truthfully do that. That power corrupts is a truism that cannot be ignored. So let's pause here briefly. Adam Warlock is accepting godhood and then declaring that he can be trusted. My first question is, trusted to do what? Trust is a word that basically says, if I trust you, it means I can rely upon you to do something. Well, what are we relying on Warlock to do, Adam Warlock to do? He's saying that he can be trusted, but trusted to do what? So then Dr. Strange says that power corrupting people is a truism. Maybe not an absolute truth per se, but awfully close to it. Then we get Adam Warlock's response. You fear a cosmic despot? I don't know how to say that word very well. (laughs) You fear a cosmic despot? Surely you must realize that even before Thanos, you lived under such tyranny. So now the question is, what was before Thanos? Well, the astral deities, which we don't have a ton of context into um, from this comic specifically... But that's an interesting thing to say. You lived under such tyranny. So even before Thanos, you lived under such tyranny. What tyranny? A cosmic despot? Maybe. Okay. Got it. Thor then responds, but it was a benign reign, random and unfocused. So I talked a little bit about this earlier with the astral deities, right? They seem like they set up things and they let things go. Like there is love and there is hate, but those two forces are working in the world almost as if to balance it, not to say that hate is bad and that love is good. Chaos and order, same thing. It seems like chaos and order as astral deities are not necessarily saying that order is good and that chaos is bad. They're just maintaining the balance of those things. I don't know. I would have said, I would have thought that an absolute truth was that love is better than hate. And I would have thought that the comic was representing that by having the Avengers Fighting Thanos and sacrificing themselves because they love Earth and love the people of Earth, whereas Thanos, you know, Thanos is killing other people uh, because of infatuation, not even really love. He's not even doing it because of love, and he seems like he's doing a lot of that uh, vindictively. So it seems like even as their the the writers are expressing these ideas, they are gravitating towards certain ideas as being true and other ideas as not being true. I don't know. You're going to have to tell me what you think about that as well, because obviously this is all can be under interp- uh, under interpretation. Now, so Thor responds, but it was a benign reign, random and unfocused. And as we know the astral deities, what little we know of them, that seems like that might be true. And then Adam Warlock finally gives us this. He says back to Thor, he answers Thor and says, and now that it is calculating the rain, his rain." meaning Adam Warlock's reign. Now that it is calculating, you find this unsettling. Afraid replacing usual chaos with order might prove unpalatable. So basically, I believe what he's saying here in the context of the comic is, well, how could you say that a benign reign that is random and unfocused could be better than... Or more unsettling why would it be more unsettling to have somebody who's going to bring order to the universe why would you find that unpalatable why would you find that as something that you're going to be causing that's going to be cause for concern um, that's a really interesting concept as well so Thor is almost saying, hey I'd rather live in a world that uh, where the uh, astral deities um, you know, the people that most resemble what we might call an uh, all powerful omniscient uh, 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 omnipresent God, those deities, if you will, the astral deities, uh, it's better that they actually remain benign and random and unfocused. And Adam Warlock's kind of questioning that, saying, like, what are you talking about? Wouldn't you rather have uh, a godlike figure that would provide a, a calculating, A calculating reign that actually had order instead of chaos. This is a really good point. I think this is a contention. This is a contention of a lot of people that I talk to, is that uh, the world doesn't always seem like it's like it is ordered in such a way to benefit people. Doesn't feel like that to me. I don't know if it feels like that to you. Um, in fact, one of the one of the pastors I like to listen to, Timothy Keller, uh, says, "If you look around and, and and someone tells you that, hey, God is a God of love, you'd kind of look back at them and go, like, where did you get that? Open a newspaper; it doesn't seem like it." And that's kind of the difference I see in these two philosophical perspectives. Adam Warlock is saying, "Well, wouldn't you rather have a God that brings order?" And then Thor is saying, "Actually, the the God that just allows for there to be a certain amount of chaos." allows us to define with free will what we could do and random events happening around across the world. Like I'm thinking, for example, of, you know, um, big natural disasters. Thor is almost saying that's better. Adam Warlock is saying, like, why in the world would you want that? And that's something that we hear a lot. We hear that a lot for people who are – I've heard that a lot from some of my friends who are atheists. They'll say, you know, like, why would I want to serve God or why would I want to even have a concept of God when it seems like there's so much disorder and that he's allowing for these other things to happen? And so that's the the tension that seems like it's being – held here is that what do we want to have a perspective of God, that God has removed himself to the the order of the universe, or that he is completely dominant over everything that happens in the universe? And this is a spectrum that just about everybody falls somewhere on, Um, and it has everything to do with free will, how much free will do we have, how much is God influencing um, what happens on earth? And, of course, is there even a god at all? And part of the reason that we can all express all of those that range of beliefs is because it isn't like there's, there's a, a super, super clear answer out there. Some of us are choosing to believe certain things. Some of us are choosing to believe other things. So I think it's really fascinating that it shows up in this comic, and I really like it. Um how does this relate to us at all? And am, am I diving too deeply into this? I don't think so, because the Avengers actually technically live in our world. They live on Earth. I mean, they it's, it's called New York. This isn't even a made-up place like Metropolis or, or Gotham. So I think it begs us to ask the question, what do we believe to be true as it relates to our world? Do we believe in God as a set of gods, like the astral deities or the Sky Fathers? Do we believe that God or those gods rules in a tyrannical way? Um, uh, or do we, or in yet in a way that's random and unfocused, uh, do we believe life has a purpose? If so, what's that purpose? Like this is back to nihilism, uh, and is there meaning to life? All of these are really thought provoking questions that I think the book does not shy away from. I don't know that it comes to a whole lot of answers about it either. I will say that it seems very much true that we are rooting for the good guys, And the good guys primarily being the Avengers, who, by the way, have a kind of small role in this story. I don't know that we can call Adam Warlock a super, super good guy. I don't know if we can call him a hero, but we definitely can't call Thanos a hero. Thanos ends up in a better place than it seems like Adam Warlock does. So lots of interesting things going on here, and all very, very, very thought-provoking. Um. You know, the narrative arc of the story introduces more philosophical ideas than it comes to terms with, like I was just saying. So, which philosophical ideas resonate with you and why? I'll give you some of mine. I think the idea that a nihilist would take up godhood is really fascinating and good for them for exploring that in the in a comic comic book. Um, especially when that nihilist, Thanos, then has to become something other than an nihilist because he's responsible for designing the way the universe should work. That's really, really fascinating. The idea that there are concepts expressed in the forms of characters is really interesting. Um, it means that eternity, for example, isn't just a, a thing, but rather a being. Eternity has choices rather than being a concept. That's really intriguing. Um, I think the reason why that's interesting is that there's this idea that the lesser characters, or the, the non-gods, if you will, Uh, Or uh, maybe a better way of saying that is the non-all-powerful, non-omniscient, non-omnipresent beings um, are essentially reacting the way they do because they're being influenced by the astral deities. Can Thanos love without the astral deity of love influencing him? Can Nebula hate without the astral deity of hate feeding her that emotion? It's a question that it doesn't answer, but it's a question that it leaves out there, which I think is really interesting. Um, Of course, Thanos fights back all of the influences of the astral deities anyways, which is also really interesting. So one of the things we say on the Story podcast is that heroes do selfless things and sacrifice themselves, while villains do selfish things to benefit themselves. Heroes have to give up something, whether it's safety or even their own life sometimes, in order to do a selfless thing, while villains do things to benefit themselves. Themselves, I like the concept that the Avengers are sacrificing their lives, most of them being human or like slightly superhuman, but not gods, not these all-powerful characters like we see even with the astral deities or the Sky Fathers, while Thanos and even the astral deities are inherently acting in their own self-interest. The only reason the astral deities enter this fight at all is because they're threatened by Thanos. Now, you could argue that Thanos could, maybe was going to be more evil than they were going to be, but do we even know that? Well, maybe we do because he's saying that he didn't let nihilism reign supreme. Maybe that's, maybe that's why. But it seems like they're really acting out of their own self-interest because they don't go to help the Avengers. They only step in when they themselves are in danger of being replaced. So I think that gives us as readers people to root for when we see people being selfless and not being selfish. So one of the bummers of the book is at the end Adam Warlock is a prideful monster who seeks godhood. He's not necessarily a good representation of God at all. It doesn't seem like it to me because what's driving his desire for godhood is his pride, very similar to how Thanos actually starts out the comic. And in the end, Thanos is all the wiser for not pursuing power while Adam Warlock becomes burdened by this power. I like that I like that the book doesn't end in an everybody's happy way because it's thought-provoking. A lot of the stories that we've worked on don't end in a super everyone's happy way because thought-provoking endings really are powerful. I like that the book doesn't come to many conclusions. But as a reader, I still have a desire for a resolution that declares that the good guys won— And we definitely don't get that. I mean, Gamora is hanging out with Adam Warlock still, so there's an indication that maybe Adam Warlock is not really a super bad guy. But it's dicey. It's dicey. All right. Last thing we're going to address on here... Um, I am going to get into a comparison between Thanos from Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos from Infinity War, but that's going to be on the aftercast, so Patreon supporters will get access to that. That's one of my favorite questions to tackle, uh, but we won't, ge- won't be tackling it here, so please support us so that you can get access to that. The last question, which is central to the comic, revolves around the pursuit of power. Thanos already has power But he has to practice to learn the extent of his power. He has to learn what it takes to be able to use that power. We also hear the Silver Surfer, Thor, and Doctor Strange doubt Adam Warlock's suggestion that he will be a benevolent ruler for the universe. And then I believe it's Doctor Strange who says the power corrupts. Um, The question is, should we desire power and does it corrupt people? Should we desire power and does it corrupt people? So before I jump into that, I want to briefly touch on Thanos' pursuit of power because part of that pursuit has to do with the control he wants over death. He wants death to desire him. That's a power dynamic. I find it interesting that, one, he didn't force death to change her mind about him. That's interesting to me. They don't cover whether or not he's capable of doing that. But it seems like he could because he creates Taraxia from scratch. So it seems like he might be able to change Death's mind by snapping his fingers again, but I don't know. But also, two, he didn't do that, but two, they never resolve what happens to death. At the end of the comic, she doesn't factor into the story at all. It's kind of strange. In fact, I did on last week's, or the, um, earlier this week's on the aftercast I did for the story breakdown, I did a make it better on how I would change this story to make it better. And I think death has to play a bigger role in the story. It'd be much more interesting if she did. Anyway, why does power corrupt? This is a really interesting question, right? First of all, we have to ask, does it Does it actually corrupt anybody? Um, But if if we say that, oh, absolute power corrupts absolutely and power does corrupt, we say those things, but why in the world do we believe them? It doesn't feel like power should automatically corrupt someone, but we see examples time after time that it does. Um, you know, I live in the United States, and the very fact that the US was started was because a group of individuals believed that Western Europe had become too corrupt and that the leaders in Western Europe were using their power in corrupt ways, you know, taxation without representation, et cetera, et cetera. So the United States declared independence. They put a lot of checks and balances into the system to prevent individuals from having too much power now we can all we can get into a completely separate debate over whether or not that's very effective um in some ways it is not but there's this inherent feeling that if you if we give you the power you're going to misuse it and you're going to do something corrupt and it's not just governments i mean it's true from companies as well we purchase products from from places right um ceos that we know uh people have accused mark zuckerberg as being corrupt Uh, Once he's gained power, Um, Bill Gates was accused of the same thing. And he actually was, they actually had some antitrust things come out for Microsoft. So it does appear that we see examples of this occurring. Um, Now, I don't know what causes power to corrupt people, but I will give you a, a hypothesis that you guys can come back at me about. So I'm going to give you a hypothesis about why I think we have this saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely or that power corrupts at all, and you guys tell me if you think I'm crazy. I don't believe that power itself is the problem. I don't. I think the problem actually comes from us, from people. The difference between a person who doesn't have power and a person who does have power is what? The extent to which they're actions can impact other people, right? If you don't have much power, what you do doesn't impact people all that much. If you have lots of power, what you do impacts people a lot. So it seems to me, you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that everyone is corrupt in some way, shape or form. Every single person on earth has done something wrong that has hurt other people. Corruption deceiving others, using your own power to get your way at the expense of others, corruption to me actually seems ubiquitous. But why does increased power cause us to suddenly look for corruption? So we don't talk about it as much when there's someone who doesn't have power, but as soon as someone does have power, we're like, oh, we better look for corruption. I don't think it's because it didn't exist before the power was there. I think it's because the implications of a powerful person's actions have a much bigger impact on the world. So my hypothesis isn't that power corrupts, but rather that power makes corruption more apparent and more damaging. It also tricks the person in power into thinking that they have the ability to cover their tracks, which then increases the temptation they have to do corrupt things. The more power you have, the more you think, oh, well, the the negative effect of me doing these things won't come back to bite me, right? Right. That's why I think that power is very tempting for people to become corrupt. I think that's partially what Adam Warlock is dealing with at the end of this story. There's an indication that Adam Warlock keeps reliving the moments in a loop, right? He keeps visiting Thanos for, for more advice, almost like as if he's turning the timetable back over and over again as he realizes he's messing up things, as he's because he's really struggling to make decisions that don't impact people in negative ways ways. He said he was going to bring order to this thing. When he makes a bad decision, I almost feel like he's reversing the timeline. He's in a loop where he goes back to talk to Thanos because Thanos is the only one that can relate to him. That's a total guess, but that is my take based on what I'm reading in the story. So Adam Warlock's pride makes him take on the Infinity Gauntlet in the first place. He does not have to take it on. Adam Warlock could have destroyed the Infinity Gauntlet, but he doesn't. Adam Warlock, probably, I don't know his character super well, so if you know him better than me, then just let me know if I'm right or wrong. He probably isn't perfect. I'm assuming. Most characters are not perfect. They're not as interesting when they're perfect, I think, for most, for most people. When an imperfect, godlike being makes choices, those choices have far-reaching implications. I don't think power inherently corrupts. I believe people are imperfect. And that, therefore, they're already corrupt. I think that power increases the temptation to be corrupt because you can be more corrupt, and it falsely signals to the person in power that he or she can get away with the corruption. So not only are they more tempted to do it because they have power, they have the ability to do it, but they also feel like the negative consequences of that power may not affect them. They might be able to get away with it. So that's what I think is actually going on. That's when... Dr. Strange says it's a truism that power corrupts. And at, and then Adam Warlock comes back at him and says, wouldn't you rather have order than chaos? Um, he actually comes back at Thor when he says that. But that whole, that whole conversation, I think, has to do with that. What do you think? Am I crazy? Let me know in the comments down below. That is it for today's show. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this show and Infinity Gauntlet in general. Let me know what you'd like me to dig deeper into next. If there's another comic series, another Marvel comic series you'd like me to dig deeper into, please let me know. But I'm not quite done digging deeper into this comic. On today's aftercast, I'll be comparing Thanos from the Infinity Gauntlet comic with Thanos from Infinity War the movie. For $2 a month or more, you can unlock that aftercast and all the other aftercasts we do as well. I hope that you'll check it out. Head over to thestorygeeks.com for more info if you enjoyed today's podcast please share our show with a geek friend thanks for listening and as always question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth